0: There is the music and we're back underway. Cool button, uncensored hockey podcast, episode 20. My friend, now you know who BJ McKay and the bear is. What a show, what a show.
1: Do we have any type of input on the music or, or has that been solely your decision? I say our, I think that you've made the music decisions.
0: No, I have not. Bruce Bolton is running the ship now and Bruce <laughs> is going with the music you originally picked for episode one so if you want to change the theme song did they change the 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 theme song from cheers no friends no Seinfeld's little they didn't have a theme song they just had the little did they change that no so you want to change the music okay Beethoven
1: what do you you want I want to talk to Larry David Larry David I want to talk to Larry David so do I
0: (laughs) he's a capo Cackle fan i want to get him on the program but anyway so you're wearing what are you wearing for those who are going to be watching this on our socials it, it's a sweater that some think has ottawa senator colors but it's not ottawa
1: senators it's seattle metropolitans stanley cup champs right my friend you're exactly right you're exactly right 1917 I was there the night they raised the 1917 Stanley Cup banner in Seattle. Just so you know. So, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's bugging cool? Uh-oh, oh, boy, here we go. Bits well, well Team bites. 32,
0: yeah, Team, oh, here's a banner. Inaugural season. First of all, nobody can say the word. I just butchered it, too. What What kids walk around and say inaugural? First season, you have to hang a banner. Eh, just... Does everyone get a ribbon when they go to the rink and and, and whatever you want to give somebody a treat, give them a free beer coupon. That's like handing them 20 bucks anyway. But anyway, I'm glad Seattle's in the league. They're doing a good job so far.
1: They are doing a good job. Hey, listen, the arena, climate pledge arena, what a fantastic building. And you know what's a cashless building and the way they have it set up where you can scan things and people can come in and unbelievable technology that they're using in that arena. Phenomenal. Got to get there, Steve. Got to get there and see it.
0: Well, I like to spend cash. I don't like paper trails, so I like to spend some cash when I can <laughs> to let the government know what I'm not doing, uh, Mr. Button. But anyway, that's a topic. What was the
1: Sopranos music? Maybe maybe we should get the Sopranos <laughs> music on here.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I got a story about that from our buddy Michael Rupp playing for the oh, yeah. Trashers. Yeah, I think he got paid in cash, but that's up to him. Um, that's a story for another day. So, well, speaking of franchises, Seattle Team 32, are you buying any of these small uh, – Quebec City was trending last night. I know there's nostalgicness about bringing Quebec City back and people don't like Arizona. Mostly Canadian fans that feel bad that we lost Winnipeg, got it back, lost Quebec City, but that was about supply and demand, which is another reason why people should be cheering Gary when they see them in certain places. You know, if you're in Winnipeg, he made it happen again. Now in Arizona, is this going to work? They were locked out. They weren't paying their bills. Are you buying this kind of narrative and this uh, move to Quebec City
1: Twitter talk? I, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, Gary and, you know, all the work he's done, you know, with Winnipeg coming back. But trust me, Steve, when I tell you, and, and you know, the Board of Governors meetings going on in Florida, right? So, yeah. you know, th- this is all timely. And so, you know, obviously, you know, we we see the report about uh, the Arizona Coyotes. I also saw the statement by the Arizona Coyotes that they said by the end of the day, Thursday, December 9th, they'll have all their obligations paid for. They felt there was an error. So, you know, these things happen and, and whatnot. Here's what I'll tell you. Minnesota was without a team for seven seasons. A lot of people don't think that the state of hockey didn't have an NHL team. I, I talked to younger players now born in the two thousands. And I tell them, Oh, there was no NHL hockey here for seven seasons. They went, what? Like, they don't like that because they, obviously they, they didn't see it. I was part of the Minnesota North stars when we moved to Dallas. Anyway, that being said, you know, Quebec is Quebec, a, a real good hockey market. Yeah, it is. But is it a really good business market for the NHL? Because now with the salary cap, revenue sharing, everything that goes into it, right, to, to, to be, take your part in the NHL, you know, they want as much uh, reassurance as that you can contribute to the revenue pie and not just be taken from the revenue pie. And, you know, that, that's the ideal world. It's not always going to happen. We see some teams that, that, that have some different challenges. But that's the reality of Quebec City. That's the reality. Are they, are they economically viable, you know, with respect to revenues to be able to, to, to be a, a contributing partner? That, that, that's what the NHL is about. So I'm not here to say they go and evaluate that. Gary Bettman has fought tirelessly for Ottawa, for the Montreal Canadiens, for the Edmonton Oilers, for the Calgary Flames. So this idea that, you know, okay, yes, Quebec left, Winnipeg left and came back, Minnesota left and came back. People don't realize that the Montreal Canadians, there was not one entity individually or group in Canada that was ready to buy the Montreal Canadians in 2001, Not one. And a gentleman by the name of George Gillette from Vale, Colorado came in. And the Montreal, think about that. The venerable, we talked, we, we start the show with talking about the Seattle Metropolitans, right? Think about the venerable Montreal Canadians. Just think about that. Nobody, nobody, no entity. A veil, Colorado gentleman, George Gillette came in. Gary Bettman has worked tirelessly to try to not only help the league be at its very best, spe- but to work with individual markets. And when a market has to leave a la the Atlanta Thrashers, it, th- th- that's last resort. And so I get it. People want to see hockey. We think of the Nordiques and we think about all that, right? Bottom line is last resort is moving franchises. It's a last resort. And the Board of Governors, they get updates now about the financials. You know, everybody wants to know what the salary cap's going to look like, what the new revenue pie looks like. Our, our revenues increasing. We just saw the Forbes, right? Forbes magazine just talked about the valuations of NHL teams. <laughs> and so now that's going to create some, some commentary and narrative around, you know, how valuable the NHL is and the individual teams.
0: Yeah, I saw something on Sportico that uh, said the Leafs are $2 billion, Forbes, uh, the Rangers are $2 billion, but things have never been better in terms of franchise values. I mean, think about if you were original six team and you expanded to the, the next six, right, the great expansion, those franchises were worth $2 million in 1967 going into 68 that season. $2 million, which is a lot of money in 67, 68, when a house was probably $30,000. But think about that kind of growth. And it's going to be math. Quebec City at 16,000 fans sold out a night for 41 home games four preseason would generate this. Is that better than Florida, Carolina, or uh, Arizona? It's just a, a, a mathematical equation. And remember, 650 is what Seattle paid. Quebec paying 650 for an expansion franchise having the debt they got the building it's a it's a it's a lot of money and the supply and demand that lost quebec city and winnipeg you know in 95 96 the cap and cost certainty brought winnipeg back and being in winnipeg and not in atlanta i'm sure is better for the league so it's really about these markets sustaining profitability And what's better for the league as a whole, I don't think there's ever been a league, even the NFL, where all 32 teams are all singing kumbaya, making money, everything is great. So the fact there's always some teams at the bottom is kind of where we've always been, at least in my lifetime in the NHL, right?
1: Steve, you nailed it. Let me just see. The Oakland Raiders are now in Las Vegas uh the 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 Rams St. Louis Rams are now in LA the San Diego Chargers are now the LA Chargers right like I mean like this is just recent times like I mean what are you telling me Oakland wasn't a good hockey good football market you're telling me that San Diego I mean there's a lot of things that come into play here and and everybody we've talked about the Chicago Blackhawks you, you know in late 90s 2000s there was less than five thousand people in the building. You know what they used to announce on the uh, on, on the on the uh, on the speaker system? They asked the fans to please keep it down because the players could hear you talking about them. <laughs> 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 so you know, like that, like like markets have their challenges. The Montreal Canadiens—I just talked about the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, like it's not just Florida and Arizona. And and the, I just know this. I, like here's an absolute certainty in every single league, NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. There's going to be somebody that finishes first, and there's going to be somebody that finishes last. That is a certainty like death and taxes. Yep. And the wheel spins. So
0: Chicago was up in the original six, down in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, 2000s. And then they got Kane and Taves. They were up and they won the Cups. Now, at least they're sustaining great crowds while they're bad. That's the goal, to try to be like, those six teams you mentioned before, the Leafs, the Cubby, certain franchises that were recession and what you called stupid proof. Whoever runs them, it doesn't matter if there's interest. So it's a great, sexy topic. You mentioned Board of Governors. I'm sure they're going to talk about the Olympics. So we were born on international hockey. My dad was in Moscow in 72. I've been at 87, 91, 96, 2010, 2016. When you don't want to go to a best-on-best tournament because you're scared and don't know what it's going to be like, that says something. I I don't want it not to be exciting or, or, or to go off without a hitch. I'm worried, Craig. Where are you on Olympics 2022?
1: Well, I mean, w- what we have is a pandemic, right? And so th- th- there's every reason for concern and worry, like, like there is. And, and let's keep this in mind, you know, you know what the protocols are in place with the NHL, what the Olympic protocols are, you know, and 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 you know the pandemic continues to you know throw curveballs and spitballs and, spit and knuckleballs. Phil Negro would be really proud, <laughs> you know, but you know, but that's what it's. so so you got to be fluid, right? So now we're going to China. When I say we, I mean the the NHL is going to China. That's where the Olympics are, and. You know, so if somebody tests positive, what does that mean? Like, you know, remember the best players are going to to the Olympics and now owners are going, "Hmm, let me just see here. Uh, You know, we have players in the NHL with our protocols in place that are testing positive. We've had some issues now. What happens if we lose a player coming back the stretch, you know, and okay. If you're a top team and you got all these points in the bank, you might go, okay, we can withstand it. But the team's fighting for playoff spots. We talk about revenues and being in the playoffs as opposed to being outside the playoffs. There's going to be, I don't know. What do you think? Six, eight teams, maybe 10 teams fighting for playoff spots down the stretch. Right. And, and maybe four or five will get in and the other one. So that's got to be a concern. I want to pitch something to you. Okay. And I, here's my pitch. I, I think the idea of, of, of the NHL sending their players to China is, is outdated. I think it's outlandish. I, I do not know why you want to send all your players over to China, your best players, to play in an Olympic venue so many, so many, many, many miles away from your prime audiences, right, and 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 your prime sponsorship and and, and, and corporate sponsors. Why do we want to send that? up? Why would you want to do that? And I think that the NHL should go to the IOC and say, listen, we'll participate in the Olympics, but the Olympic hockey tournament is going to be played in North America. We are not traveling our players. It's made for television. It's television where we're going to make our revenues. And we're not doing it by sending our players, taxing them to go all the way over there, right? And if they don't want to agree to it, the IOC, right, then say, great then we're going to have our own best on best tournament in February during Olympic years. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have a world cup of hockey or an international cup of whatever you want to call it. I think it's I, honestly, I think it's outlandish to think about sending the players over to China to participate in the Olympics. Look at what happened with, with, with Euro, with the, with the, with the football champions, soccer championships, they had them in m- multiple different countries. They had the final, And the semifinal at Wembley in London. I think there has to be different thinking when it comes to the Olympics. And sorry, I'm not like I'm an owner. I don't want my players going to China. End of story. This isn't about not believing in best on best hockey, it's about going to China. No, not happening in my world. And I think the thinking has to change
0: the players are the ones that really, 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 really want this in the Olympic experience. It was the owners and Gary that went, really, 2022? The time difference, the sexiness. So having the tournament, and I think I've talked to you about this before, if you got into a fight with the IOC, you can just say, yeah, you have your tournament, and we'll play our World Cup at the exact same time. I mean, that exactly. would really be shooting, you know, a bullet across the bow, and we probably would then never go back to the Olympics again or anything else. And the players would say, wait a minute, a world cup in February, isn't the Olympic experience. Is it the same who I know we've got a break in the schedule and, and everything else, but really the league doesn't want to go. The owners don't want to go. The players want to go, but the 10% that go, the other 90 are going to go to Aruba. So they've agreed to this to also, I think, keep, spending down get the so it's all a negotiation jerry we're negotiations about so i get it i just wish it was in 2023 i would have called the ioc move the olympics back move it back a year they move the summer back a year so i get it i just don't know how it's going to go off without a hitch i know I, I agree with what you're saying craig i it's too late for that to happen right now
1: Steve, we live in a different world. The Olympic experience, what? Do you think the players are going to get an Olympic experience in China? No, they aren't. They're going to be sequestered in rooms and everything that goes with it. Listen, my wife works with the COC. I get it if you're a luger, a bobslayer, a skier. There's a different there's a different type of thing. But you're on a World Cup circuit the whole season competing. And now the Olympics become this. Okay? I'm like... The, the NHL has no control over the video rights, the the, the the Olympic rights. Like, you know, what are they gaining? I get that the players want to go in the Olympics and everything. Well, great. Let's just look at it differently. I was in Pyeongchang Chang in, uh, in yeah. 28. The nine, guess what? The IOC and the, they lost by not having the NHL players there. They lost. They're like, So don't tell me this is a one-way street. The IOC has lots to lose here. And if they want to continue down their path and keep talking about the Olympic experience and the Olympic ideals for hockey, I'm talking about hockey here, yep. right? Yep. No, I'm not buying anymore. Uh-uh, no. Gary Bettman and the league have shown unequivocally that they're prepared to shut down the league to try to do things. And the IOC continues to say, well, no, we're not going to give you video rights. You can't use our images and everything. Great. We're not participating. I get that the players want a best on best. I understand that we can have a best on best NHL has leverage like seriously traveling all the way to China. No, right here. Let's, and and the Olympics will be staged like the Olympic hockey tournament will be in New York, Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, wherever you want to be that. And we'll decide where the finals or the medal round will be. That's how, that's what I would be doing. Yeah. And and
0: I think it's something we've talked about before. I think it's a great idea. I think there's a lot of things we can do that, you know, the other sports can't, the NFL will never play anybody around the world. The American baseball players weren't into the, their world cup of baseball, but the, uh, what they call the foreign players were playing for Dominican and China and they loved it or Japan, I guess They, they, they loved it. So we've got that. We have a lot of options, gut feeling before we talk about Jacob Truba, are we going
1: and will it go off without a hitch if we do? Okay. So it's total gut, right? Uh, yeah. I, I would say no, not going. I, I, I was, I was 50, 50 a month ago. I, I'm 20, 80 now. That means there's a one in five chance that they go. And uh, I, I just think with the pandemic, with the new variant, you know, with the, with the protocols that are being put in place, look what's just happened in North American travel. You know, U S is now requiring a negative test and within 24 hours of travel into the U S right. You know, what china is going to require with re- with respect to the protocols they want to put in place so there's no spread in their country and everything uh, sorry i just uh, i'm 2080 2080 that not going that's my gut right here and if they and and, and if they do go uh you know I, I i don't see i don't see it coming off without a hitch i just don't
0: yeah I'm in that same category. It's just the dreamer in me that says, I hope they go. And I hope it's perfect. I hope if it's everything's Bob, hope, Bob, hope, you know, you hope it goes well. Uh, Life's not about hope. You know, there, there there's certain things that you keep your fingers crossed, but it's, do we have any worries about Salt Lake City? Any worries about Vancouver? You know, no, any worries about the World Cup? No. And it all went off without a hitch. I'm just really worried about this. And that's not what it's supposed to. The anxiety isn't, can we do this? The anxiety should be, can my country win? Am I making the team? It's not that now it's, it's, it's too bad. It really is too bad. And there is something not right. There's just something doesn't feel right. Craig.
1: Well, Steve, the, 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 the something that doesn't feel right is based on what's happening. Like, you you know, what's we we can put our finger on it. That what doesn't feel right. Robin Leonard, who, who said, I'm not going to participate in the Olympics. I'm removing myself mental health. Like, like, you know, it's a, you know, you're going to go to China and, and like, you know, what, what are, what are the players going to be able to do? I mean, I've talked to a number of players from last year in the NHL and, and the protocols in place to try to keep everybody as safe as possible and limit the risk to the greatest extent possible. They couldn't eat on the road together. Like, I mean, like they were literally individuals trying to play together come game time. And that impacts mental health. And, you know, Robin Leonard came out and said, I'm not participating. And I think as as more understanding of what the protocols are going to come into place, the players want to go, I get it. People want to see it. You want to see it. We all want to see it. I think we got to think differently about it. That's all my point is. We got to think differently about it, not just this year, but going forward.
0: I can see the players realizing that the juice isn't worth the squeeze, as one of our producers of the past is famous for saying, and maybe adding a World Cup in September or something like that. So it's too bad. But we're realists in life, Craig, and in business and sports and politics. Being realistic, realistically, this, this is a longer shot than it was um, a year ago, at least, thinking about Steve, it. Steve,
1: think about Think about having a, a tournament, a World Cup or whatever you want to call it, right? Right after the Super Bowl. Major League Baseball is in spring training. There's no more NFL to deal with, right? And now you could have this whole plot. You could have this whole landscape for 12, 14 days. We talk about growth of the game. We talk about revenues. We talk about sharing in the, in, in the pie and everything and growing that pie. Well, you know what? I, I don't see the Olympic effort helping in that regard. I don't see it because the IOC, quite frankly, you know, they're, they're hanging on. This is the way we've always done it. Either be part of it or don't. Well, good. I saw what happened in 2018. wasn't uh, hockey wasn't very marquee. Men's hockey wasn't very marquee in Pyeongchang. Women's hockey was spectacular. Men's, and that's nothing against the players, but what we got accustomed to. No. So, I think the NHL and, and the Players Association have le- real leverage on the IOC.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I buy that for sure. It's either our, our way or we're not going, especially right now. So, uh, Board of Governors meetings, let's see. This is topic one down there for sure. Uh, Jacob Truba, Marty Buron, a colleague of all of ours, was on and we were talking about Rule 48 and Truba's now two hits uh, in the last couple of games. And I mentioned you. I said, hey, my buddy Craig, like Ken Dryden thinks, any head contact should be illegal, either penalized or eventually maybe suspended. Marty is a former player. I'll be a goalie. Didn't think it was realistic. I'm in kind of that camp too, Craig. I'm a best idea wins. I, I don't know. I don't know how we can avoid some head contact, let's say, without really drastically changing the game. Did I like what happened to Jujar Kara? Obviously not. Is it clean under the rule 48? It is. I am told rule 48 and the changes over the last 11 years have made players safer and have, you know, gotten rid of X amount of concussions in in theory. Um, Would I like Truba to get lower and go shoulder to chest on both hips? I guess I would. I don't have an answer in fixing or improving rule 48. And we don't see a lot of those checks anymore. Even now going back to Scott Stevens on Eric Lindros, so where are we on realism of Rule Forty Eight and full body contact that includes head contact that is still legal today?
1: Well, so I mean, and, and this is the gray, Steve, and like understand when I say like what, what I'm trying, what, what I believe in by, and like the Truba hits, okay, the Truba hits on on, on Kara and on McKinnon, one hundred percent clean. There is nothing egregious about either one of those hits. He takes the right line. He comes through the body because as you come through the body, that's rule 48, right? And, and, and so th- there is a, like a part of that rule that says in, in, in the course of coming through the body, there can be head contact, right? So like, I, I, I think this is the nuance. This is the gray that they've worked into the rule. Okay. I, I, I would like to protect the players and their heads to the greatest extent possible but that's not realistic either in terms of eliminating all head contact. It isn't. And I understand that, right? I, I think that through the efforts, there's been a slowing down and an understanding by the players in delivering those. Look at Jason Spezza. He got suspended for six games. And they said Pionk was eligible to be hit, but the line he took, how he could have avoided it. And then that's where players get themselves in a problem. Jacob Truba did nothing wrong. He took the right line. There was nothing, nothing wrong with that hit. So while, you know, we're, I, I guess zero would be ideal. It's not realistic, Steve. So, so let's keep that in mind here. Okay. So like, That's our theme. You know,
0: we're, we're realists, Craig, Craig? we're realists. Well,
1: and I am. And like, like I said, like, but, but I think that, and I see it, I see it in minor hockey. I see it in junior hockey. I see it, like the players are, 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 are slowing down. They're understanding. Wait a sec. I can't make that hit there. You know, and, and like, I get it. And I think that that's what all, that's what we were trying to get to. And, and we, we've, we were there. C- can we do better? We can always do better, Steve. We can always do better. But in the case of Jacob Truba uh, on those two body checks, I, I have no issue with them. I have no issue with them because, you know, you, I, and I'm going to just use auto racing as an example, you know, auto racing, they put in a lot of different rules, and and regulations to try to make it as safe as possible for the drivers you know head harnesses you know how they work the cars with respect to you know making sure that they can't get lift off the front like so all the spoilers and everything go right have they eliminated all crashes no (laughs) you're you're racing at 200 miles an hour like yes you're not going to be able to eliminate all but have they made the environment safer I, i i think yes they have and I think that that's what Rule Forty Eight. I think you talk about uh, the last eleven years, ten years. We're, we're we're in a we're in a place where we can see meaningful progress, and I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, when when I watched Eric Lindros, and I guess I saw him as a fifteen year old. I sat beside Bonnie, and the Punchards introduced me. This is Bonnie. This is Eric's mom. You know, and that would be the beginning of kind of the movie about Eric playing St. Mike's, and then everything that he went through on and off the ice but me as a young up-and-coming broadcaster would watch Eric and see him in Major Junior and he was already a man so he's a man in size he was a man in strength he was a man in controlling the entire environment and I wondered I, I wondered if kind of being a head taller than everyone else and not having the same dangers as a five foot seven player about being aware of your surroundings actually heard him at the NHL level in the two Truba hits, both times, if I would rewind to the eighties, there was a time Jujar Cara and Nate McKinnon would have said abort the mission, abort the mission. My head is down. They can hit me shoulder to head straight, which is what happened with Eric against Scott Stevens. And when you feel safe anywhere, you know, You're not as aware of your surroundings. You put yourself, and I don't blame the victim here. There was a moment that Jujar Kerr should have went, shoot, forget the puck here. I got to go look up and make sure I'm going to protect myself. And because we don't have as many of those hits now, I think players, they've let their guard down, so to speak, the way I think maybe from major junior to the NHL, Eric, who then came in the NHL as a 19-year-old because he missed the first year, came in and was still a beast and didn't have to worry as much, he thought, about that physicality, which we later found out he did. And his hits of trouble with Casparatus with Stevens, were hits of what we would call before, be aware of your surroundings and have your head up. To come across 2000 NHL hockey with Scott Stevens on the ice with your head down was a mini suicide mission. And I wondered if Major Junior, he got away with it, NHL that he didn't that I say to players, now be ready that you can be, I wonder if Jacob Truba is bringing back the big open ice clean check to make people aware, be aware of your surroundings. Because in both situations, the players had no idea it was coming. And I heard Mark Messier say, although the era's changed, I if I'm on the ice, I better know that Tony Twist is on the ice, that Brian Marchmont's on the ice, that Scott Stevens is on the ice just to be more aware of your surroundings as it relates to the big hits. If we get more of these clean big hits, I think it's good, but the owner is still, oh, I got the puck. I'm eligible to be hit. Just be careful out there. Hill street blues. Just be careful out there, Craig. I don't know if you buy what I'm saying or not.
1: No, 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 no. I like, uh, I think so. So if you rewind in time, Jacob Trouba is born in, in 1994. Okay. So let's just say he starts playing at six. Right, so he starts becoming aware. He's now eleven. You know, you know when uh, when the when the lockout happens or when they return to play. Right, but he's already starting to. You know, the game is being played in a certain manner. Even when we think about the, you, you know, the Matt Cook hit. Right, uh, uh, the uh, uh, who, who who made the hit on Mike Richards. On Mike Richards. Right, Mike. Like those were considered clean body checks in 2010. I believe 2010. What right. So yep. Jacob True was 16 at that point in time. Look, Remember, he, he he is watching and being guided by the way the game is being played at that time. So in the last 10, 11 years, there's been real modifications made to the rules. Rightfully so, because we have a lot more knowledge on the impact of concussion on blows to the head and concussion long-term effects and everything it's the same thing that's happened in football so what's changing now is that hey listen you know how hitting is I'm going to go back to minor hockey Steve I I see lots of games there's not hits like that the players don't play like that because because they don't see it like that anymore and and as we move forward we're, we're going to see less and less of it so Jacob Truba I want to know as we watch players come forward now okay Players born in, 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 in the early 2000s, which is where we're at, late 90s, they've only seen the game in, in, in one real way without this. Football is adapted. Hockey's adapted. I don't uh, – your point about Eric Lindros, you, you know, when you're, when you're a top player at the lower levels, you can do things that sometimes you just realize, hey, I, I, I don't have any vulnerabilities. I can just do these things because I'm much better. I can skate by players. I'm bigger. I can stick handle by players. But at the NHL level, unless your name's Connor McDavid, you're not skating by anybody. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're some big, 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 strong guy, you're not, you're not overpowering anybody. And keep in mind, Darius Kasparaitis, who was not a big defenseman, caught Eric Lindros as well. It wasn't just Scott Stevens. Darius Kasparaitis, who was a, a, an open ice hitter like that too. So my point is, is that, yeah, you, you always have to be aware. But And I continue to to quote Brendan Shanahan when he was leading the Department of Player Safety. The game we played is not the game being played today. And you know what? It doesn't matter that Scott Stevens played. It doesn't matter. When I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the era was. It doesn't matter when Mark Messier was playing what the era The era is different now. You know, we don't talk about, well, geez, you know What? Uh, players should be lucky there's no bench clearing balls because we, we had an era when there was a lot of bench clearing balls. We had stick swinging uh, inc- incidents where there was a lot of that, right? So, you know, the eras change. And I think we're going to see that. Obviously you have to be aware when you're on the ice, the game is fast. And, you know, as Bobby Clark said, many years ago, we took out some of the speed bumps in the game. And so some of the rules and the rule and enha- rule enhancement has been about putting some of those speed bumps back into play, slowing the game because the game is incredibly fast. It happens quickly. And for Kara and for and Nate McKinnon, he's aware. He's he, he got caught on a little turn. Give Troub a lot of credit for picking it out, right? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. And I hope it opens up more of people saying you can do this. I see moments where the star players have the puck uh, and they are eligible to be hit in a clean manner. Right. And players don't because they, I watched the minor midgets like you did too. There was no danger really out there. There's no hitting from behind. There was no big hits. It was almost cleaner than it's ever been before. But you are allowed to, not just because you can. You make a play that you make, not because you can, but because it's the right play at the time that Kane puts himself in a spot where if I'm that forward, I now engage Kane right? Not to separate man from head, but Kane from the puck. And as I do this moment that I hit Kane, he loses the puck, my defenseman's there and he's gone. That would be the reason to hit Kane along the boards, but people still, even at the NHL level are stick checking or puck watching that. I think there's something to be said about bringing back the fair physicality to get the puck back. That's one of the reasons in the old days, well, we also tried to separate man from head in the old days, but there's a reason to do it. So I wonder if Truba
1: is making it vogue again to kind of bring this type of thing back. Uh, You say no. No, no, uh -uh. Steve, I just watched the 2005 born players in Ottawa. Uh, Canada, Hockey Canada brought 66 players together there. Okay. It's not the way they play. I just watched the uh, Silver Stick in uh, Whitby. It's not the way they play. And, yeah somebody's going to go, oh geez, you see what Jacob Truba did and and they're going to say but that's not the, that's not the way they play today. that's the so, so as I talk about as, as we proceed in the years to come and these players now we're seeing what remember I, I went back to Jacob Truba 1994 he's born Okay. Yeah. The, the, those hits by Mike Richards and Matt Cook were not illegal when they were made and Jacob Truba was 15 or 16. he's already conditioned I had, a, I had a good discussion with Dion Phaneuf about this. And I went, I said, Dion, you were born in 1985. Go talk to 15 to 16-year-old kids and ask them what you're talking about. And he said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> they don't, that's not what they see today. That's not what they, so yeah, they see, oh, look at this big hit, look at this, right? And you and me and Mark Messier, and uh, we can talk about Scott Stevens and we can talk about Darius Kasparitis and the big hits and everything. And it's not, Brendan Shanahan, I'm telling you, that's a great line. The game we played, and I'm talking about Brendan, the game we played is not the game being played today. Such profound words.
0: The game we see today is more pizzazz and skill and special plays. Like we saw in Buffalo the other night where, you know, Trevor Seegers is behind the net. They've talked about it. They practiced it and Sonny Milano shouts out the Michigan and Trevor's like, uh-huh. Now, Full disclosure, we did all that type of stuff. We played ball hockey. We flipped pucks. Those are tennis balls in the 70s and 80s. And we tried a whole bunch of things about creativity. And I always said, and people said, in ball hockey, we learned to be snipers. And we tried to do stuff, you know, when we got on the ice, but never, never made it. I was at a game where Ron Francis in 1996, as a penguin, And I think at the time Mario was on the ice with Yager and Francis, it was a line. It was great. And I actually had good seats to watch him at Maple Leaf Gardens. Ron Francis behind the net, flipped the puck over the net, over Felix Potvin's head, went around the net and banged it into the net. In 1996, I was blown. I was, the place was just stunned. It was absolutely beautiful. So we've done special things. The, The idea of the Royal Road Pass, Gretzky to Curry, that was a royal road pass. Bobby Clark and Rick McLeish and Bill Barber and Reggie Leach. We just renamed things now. What Zegris did and Sonny Milano, I think was great. We've had these wow moments before. It reminded me of that, Ron. Like Ron comes on the show, he laughs about it. He goes, Yeah, I kind of got lucky. Well, he just didn't make it up out of thin. He probably did it in the suit playing ball hockey. I love it. That's the kind of thing where we're, we're going to see more of that, Svechnikov. Zegris, McDavid, then we are what we just talked about, which is fine. And I think it's great. Remember when Thomas Hurdle
1: scored? Oh, yeah. on, on, Marty Biron. Yeah. Do you remember the criticism? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a joke. It's, a, it's absolutely ridiculous, the criticism. It's a joke. And that's part of the problem. Oh, oh that's cheeky. No, it isn't. You're trying to score. You know, Trevor Zegris has, has, has made that play at the National Gene Development Program and in the American Hockey League. Just wasn't on a big platform when he did it. And I can tell you this and I, and I Timo Solani and Paul Correa, Jack Ferrer, who was the general manager in Anaheim at the time, he told me, he said, teams were taking away the cross seam pass, the, the seam pass. He said, those two guys would work on practice like, like firing the puck waist high, waist high, and then trying to bat it into the net. And like they practiced it. Two great Hall of Fame players all Korean, like that was in the 90s they were doing this because they understood like they're but you nailed it encouraging creativity saying yeah keep trying that and the other kids keep trying it not poo-pooing it like you know not anything negative like that the other thing i wanted to just add to that too rule enforcement right cross-checking there's a new enforcement on cross-checking Do you know that Sonny Milano last year might have got cross-checked down and never had a chance to finish that play? Bingo,
0: Craig. Bingo. They (laughs) would have cross-checked him and said, I don't care, and probably saved a goal. And if Zegers was behind the net in the Shanahan era, somebody would have bear-hugged him. Brian Burke, bring back the bear hug. No, we're not bringing back the bear. They would have bear-hugged him, and then the defenseman gets the puck, and the play is over. All these things that go together lead to what happened in Buffalo the other night.
1: Uh, we, we do a lot of hiking out here in Alberta in the, in the Rocky Mountains, right? And let me just tell you, bears don't hug. <laughs> <laughs> Even they
0: don't do it. Even they
1: don't do it. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I love it. I think it's great. I'm, I, I, you know how I feel about skill, but it just reminded me of other things that we've seen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like if you want to talk about goals and toe drags and everything, there was a guy named Peter Mahavlich. On September 4th, 1972, scored still one of the greatest goals of all time. He probably said to himself, these Russians are really good, and they're doing some weird things here. I've got some moves too. Like, at the time, it was so – so we've seen great things over time. I just want to kind of give a shout-out to kind of the old-timers. But the, the toe drag and in, and like, it was unbelievable. But you know what? We see it that I'm sure Gretzky saw that he saw the Russians do things. And he says, I'm going to invent the Gretzky curl. And I'm going to do like, so every generation passes something to each generation. I saw Wisconsin the day after practicing the Michigan flip pass. And I'm sure the video of Ron Francis is going to come out again. And somebody's going to go, Oh, I'm going to try that too. That's what I love. So if there is less physicality and less danger for more skill, we're averaging six goals a game. The game's pretty good. I think there's 10 teams that could win the Stanley Cup. We're, despite some other things that are going on in the COVID world and bad around the world, where we are right now is a pretty darn good place. Let's remember when well, we're in a good place because we're in a pretty good place right now,
1: Craig. Oh, yeah. And, and progress. And, and we continue to make progress. And the young players, like, like you know, I, I joke, I watch the O fives. I watch the O sixes and some O sevens at the Silver Stick. The game is in great hands. Okay. Like and the players now that are seeing this and are going to try that. Remember, they have so much access to video, right? And and they can go and practice all that stuff. And to me, it, it it's phenomenal. It, it, it's what we need to have. It's what when you talk about and you, you think about all the think about the Savardian spinorama. And I'm not talking about Denny, I'm talking about Serge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like a, and Danny on. Gallivan. Danny Gallivan named it the Savardian Spinorama like, you know, like this, let's be clear here. You know, the players have been creative and innovative for, for a lot of time because the game, that's how the game progresses. That's how, that's how we progress as as a, as a species and as a society. And when you don't, you go out of business, you, you stop existing. Remember the Timothy Eaton company?
0: Yeah. They used to be pretty big.
1: Yeah they didn't progress. (laughs) They are no more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is a nice way of saying when you stay current and Scotty Bowman always did and watch and learn and know how to talk to people. My closing thought is Bruce Boudreaux and a colleague, like we've been there before where a guy sat literally beside you. Cool. You're getting too excited. Bruce says on Friday and a week later, he's behind the NHL bench again. I don't know where it's going, but when he was, Kind of soft punching Elias Pedersen and said, Have fun. It's okay. Have fun. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it. And he hasn't smiled, number 40 in a long time, but I see Bruce trying. They're 2 and as we we, we take this podcast, and he's 66 years old and he's just a big, cuddly teddy bear. And the reason he's behind the bench is he's won at the regular season level with the many different teams. So It's great, right? It's great. And that's what I'm excited about for, you can maybe teach an old dog some new tricks because Bruce has just made things lighter and have fun, kids. Have fun out there.
1: Bruce is not an old dog. You know, I I hear people talk about old school. They they look at the birth certificate and they say you're old school, right? I'll tell you what. Age does not mean you're old school or new school. I, I see a lot of young coaches that aren't creative, that aren't innovative, that aren't progressive. They're, they're stuck. I see a lot of older coaches. and Guess what? They're current. They're present. So I don't buy into any of this garbage about your 66. You don't know. Bruce has got an open mind. He's a creative mind. I will finish this podcast number 20 with yep. this little story about my dear aunt. She lived until she was 95. She was four foot 11. My auntie Rita, she took up belly dancing when she was 90. She made us come and watch her first performance because she wanted to show off all the things she had learned. Here's what she used to say. She said, age is not a time of your life, it's a state of mind. Think young, be young. That's all for the Cool Button Podcast episode 20. See ya next time.